Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. It's episode 81 of It's All Connected. This is Russ, and back with me is Matthew. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, again, another big big delay, longer than we thought. I I caught a nasty cold. If you can't tell from my voice, I'm still kind of fighting it off about a week and a half ago. Uh, and then I had to, since I work remote most of the time in Houston, I actually had to go into the mothership in Austin uh, for, a few, for a couple days last week. So it kind of like every... Everything everything seemed to be working against us in the last couple of weeks to uh, to get back on track. Yeah, and I just got done with a big move too, so I think all of our schedules have just been a little off. And but that's all right. Yeah, I think we've had a lot forward, to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I think moving forward we kind of uh, aligned ourselves with a good date to record. So I think from here we'll uh, we'll pretty much catch up. Uh, so this this episode we're just going to catch up on some news. And then the first four episodes of Agent Carter of season two. And then I think next week we may double dip. I think Matthew and I have been talking about, uh, you know, recording on Agent Carter and whatever news happens to pop up. And then we'll probably record another episode to finish up Jessica Jones uh, Mm -hmm. because Daredevil season two is it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, it's it's it always it's it's surprising. I mean, I think we're just in the stretch where we're just constantly getting some sort of MCU content. So. I just feel like there's always a new thing right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so starting off with the news, uh, one of the things that I found very, uh, very good news to hear is that they're doing test screenings for Civil War. And so far, they've been very, very positive. Uh, I think the the report I read said something like they couldn't tell if it actually tested higher than Winter Soldier, which I guess at that point had been like the highest, you know, however they rate these test screenings, I guess Winter Soldier was kind of like the highest of uh, of the bunch. And yeah. so this one, if not, if it hasn't exceeded it, it's definitely right there with it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting. I, I feel like eventually, you know, it, it seems inevitable that eventually we're going to be let down with a Marvel project. It just seems almost like it's too good. Every time one comes out, I'm just like, I don't know. I've got high expectations. I don't know if I'm setting myself up for a fall. And then, you know, they seem to knock it out of the park. So um, I, I sort of feel, especially with Winter Soldier and everything they've they've done since then, I I have a hard time believing it won't be really fantastic. I mean, the Russos did such a good job with the last one and, you know, just all the story that's involved. Um, but, you know, it's nice to hear that that's you know, seems like it's going to be the case. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty hyped. Um, I'm, I'm assuming as we we're getting even closer to that. Now we're going to start seeing uh, a lot more stuff on TV, even probably, uh, probably some other form of a trailer. I haven't seen that they're doing a Super Bowl spot. Yeah. There's still a lot of talk about what's going on with that. Cause apparently Disney bought a few spots, but they've got a lot of projects coming up. So it could kind of be anything, but, and Marvel and Coca-Cola are doing something, but apparently it's, it has nothing to do with the movies. 
it's just like a maybe just marvel in general maybe the comics i'm not sure so you think that would be the time considering in a few months they've got a huge film coming up and you know they're gonna have everybody's eyes on um the super bowl but i don't know maybe marvel just thinks that they don't need to do that anymore (laughs) yeah we talked about it last year because there wasn't a huge presence for age of ultron either and and even when Winter Soldier came out, it was kind of like a, here's a tease, go to this website. And then you went to the website and kind of saw all the footage and the tie-ins. And I, I think what they're, you know, what they're thinking is these movies almost kind of sell themselves at this point. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, Super Bowl advertising is such a huge, I mean, what is it now? It's I think it's up to like 3 million for yeah, a 30 seconds. Yeah, 4 million. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's a lot to spend when you're trying to make money back on a film. Yeah, and you know right out of the gate it's probably going to make a billion worldwide just just based on momentum, you know, just mm-hmm. looking at, yeah. at at the other movies, there's there's a pretty good chance that that's going to happen. It's like is that 3 million really going to get you, you know, anything right. worthwhile? Right. How many how many people watching the Super Bowl don't know that this is coming out, you know, at this yeah. point like it's blockbuster season, it's the summer, it's captain america it's a bunch of the other avengers people i mean it's it's kind of hard not to you know iron man's in it it's it's just like you'd probably be hard pressed to find someone who didn't know that it exists and i i think the other thinking is they seem to like to control their own you know hype and their own news and so even during comic-con they didn't have a lot of stuff and i think i think they like to knock it you know um mixed in with all the other stuff that's going on People are going to be talking about a lot of things during the Super Bowl. Other movies will be promoting it. They don't want to sort of get lost in the shuffle, whereas they wait a week or two after the Super Bowl and they put out another Civil War trailer. That's all anybody will be talking about. Right. So, I mean, it's it's sort of like some bold, it's sort of a bold choice from a marketing standpoint, but it's it's sort of been their MO for a while and it, and it seems to work for them, so... Yeah, it's. I guess it's a bummer, but at the same time, I'm. I'm sure we're with the movie fast approaching. We're we're due for a. Uh, we really only have that one trailer that we ever yeah. got, so yeah. we really are due for some sort of like secondary look at things. Maybe a little more look at the plot. There's a lot of characters that we've only seen in promo art. So. Yeah, I mean, we're ninety at this point, like ninety days out. Um, you know, it's the beginning of February. The movie comes <clears> out <throat> beginning of May, so. We're getting close. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that's it. <laughs> Again, it's hard to be- it's it's hard to believe that not only are we so close to Daredevil, but once we've sort of consumed that, we'll you know be on the precipice of Civil War coming out. Yeah, and, and that's that's while Shield will be going on that whole time as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, pretty wild, but that, I mean it's great. <laughs> I'm excited for him. Yeah, me too. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, things are heating up with volume two of that. We've we've been seeing, you know, Chris Pratt has Instagrammed out a picture of his Walkman with his volume two, uh, awesome, uh, the awesome mix volume two in uh, in the Walkman. Uh, James Gunn has been tweeting out some pictures. Uh, so it looks like filming is going to start next week. It looks like February the 11th. They're actually going to start filming, but they've done table reads and, you know, they've had a lot of, um, the cast the cast has converged upon Atlanta, and and filming is about to to ensue. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they've been doing some pre production stuff for a while, but yeah, it's I, I I still think it's um it's interesting how much of a lead up time it has because with Doctor Strange we saw it film exactly a year out, 
Yeah. Whereas this will be filming about 15 months out, I guess. Yeah. It'll be May, 2017. So, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what that entails. If it's just cause the set pieces and the, the post-production and stuff maybe is bigger. I would think, all the, yeah. All the space stuff. But at the same time, I feel like Dr. Strange is the way they've been talking about it. It seems like it's going to have quite a bit, quite a lot of uh, special effects and stuff too. So, right. I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I mean, the good thing about it filming so soon is that we should finally get some, you know, solid like casting information. Yeah, for sure. And Atlanta's kind of like a hotbed now of a lot of filming. I mean, you know, Walking Dead, Civil War film there, Ultron mm-hmm. film there. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's you know that's it's it's kind of like you know New Orleans as well. It's like this hotbed of uh, you know cool tax credits that these studios can take advantage of to uh, to get job you know to get jobs and people working there. So yeah, it's it's great. I wish that I had more of a desire to live in Atlanta because I'd love to. Uh be up there in the middle of all of it yeah yeah it's so close to where i already am but yeah i mean it's it's pretty neat when um other areas besides just new york and la start becoming you know big for filming stuff because just uh increases the opportunity to get a lot more people involved yeah and it's you know for a while it seemed like it was australia and then you know like all the fox stuff was australia well and thor ragnarok is gonna film in australia too yeah so yeah and then, and then for some of the more on that. like lower budget stuff, it was like those Eastern European countries, you know, like Prague and, um, you know, just just some of that some of that Eastern Eastern mm-hmm. Bloc countries were, you know, either offering a lot of incentives or whatever. And I know a lot of movies film and still film there uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Steve Agee apparently has joined the cast. It looks like in some capacity they're not really saying what, whether it's. Um, you know, whether he's playing an actual lead character or some sort of, uh, you know, mocap or voice work or. I, I, yeah, I, it's not I really wonder if it'll clear, you know, I mean, we had like Peter Serafinowicz and John C. Riley and stuff as the Nova Corps people. You know, I, I wonder if it's just something like that, you know, where there's yeah, just these be. sort of extra roles that they need. You know, he wants like a, a comic voice and maybe he'll be a Ravager, you know. Like you were saying, do bocap is like a an alien they encounter. I'm I'm sure they're going to be like sort of fleshing out that a bit more, like giving us a little more uh, look at you know some a few different like locales and a few different you know species and different peoples and stuff. So yeah. make it feel a little more like you know space adventure. So yeah, I'm sure he's just playing some sort of small role like that. But we'll see. I mean, we're, we'll hopefully know. I mean, I think James Gunn said he's that they have that they've cast Star Lord's father. Like that's official. Yeah, I think he said the cast is like locked up. Like yeah. every, everybody that's in the movie has been cast. Yeah, but uh, you know, there for a while it was like there were rumors that it was gonna, that Star Lord's father was going to be in it. But right now, it's pretty much like yeah, he'll be in it. You know, it's a pretty safe bet that Mantis will be in it. Yeah. Um, and you know, then all the returning characters and I, I don't know. And then some sort of villain, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if they're just going to go out in left field with that. And well, it's not even out in left field from the comics. The way they've kind of done it is maybe that star Lord's father His is father. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. It, it would be interesting and it might finally 
help us break the uh, the curse of Marvel villains being killed in their first movie. Yeah. By having someone who's a little more nuanced, a little more in the gray and, you know, someone that they want to explore a lot more. So it, it would be great. I mean, I'd love to see them explore something where it wasn't just like, there's a bad guy. He's going to destroy a world. They have to stop him. He's not, he's dead at the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would love it if it was a little more like, like Loki or, you know, exactly. Exactly. You know. I mean, they, Loki's been so popular and, you know, I think I said it in one of the Jessica Jones ones, but you know, I think it's smart to, to use that as an example. And, and yeah, again, having his father, there's, you know, you have the similar familial relationship, but there's a lot of tension cause they've been apart. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a lot you could, there's a lot you could do with that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm all for, for that being the case. And if it's, you know, going to be someone like Kurt Russell, like they've been saying, you know, that would, that would definitely be an interesting, um, turn for him. Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess on the Thor, the Thor Ragnarok front, there's been a lot of chatter. I call it chatter because it's, it's almost like nothing concrete or firm, but, um, Ruffalo has been talking a lot and, and, you know, some of it is what's being inferred, but, uh, there's a lot of talk that maybe we might see, uh, like a, like a planet Hulk, you know, via Thor Ragnarok. Like that's our introduction to, to what Hulk has been up to. And again, total speculation, you know, who knows the other thing that that's been floating around and been getting a little bit of, uh, of press is, you know, are we going to see a more uh, intelligent Hulk, you know, and not just the the grunting and yelling, you know, maybe give him a little bit more of banner kind of coming through um, to see to see how that's going to work. Yeah, I think um, as far as the Planet Hulk ones, I have such a hard time understanding how that would work. That's such a huge sort of plot development from where we last saw Hulk that. I, you know, I don't know how they would, how they would work that sort of thing in there. Um, because I think part, one of the rumors was that's how we would meet Hulk is he's already on the, on right. this planet fighting. Right. And that just seems like a gigantic leap to take from the last point we saw him. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, maybe if, maybe if throughout the course of the movie, somehow they ended up there, but it, it just seems like a lot. I mean, on one hand, they keep saying that there's a really good arc for Hulk that will continue throughout Infinity War um, in lieu of him having a solo movie. But I I just don't know. I I still feel like it's just sort of everybody's wishful thinking that Planet Hulk will be a thing. And now that he's in space with Thor, potentially, it's like, oh, this is the time to do it. But I just have a hard time wondering how that would fit into the whole Ragnarok thing and a Thor movie and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd almost, uh, it's tough. I'd almost rather them, if they're just going to do it as like a one-off, mm-hmm. I'd almost rather them just save it to where they Exa- could, you know, exactly. get justice. Exactly. And it, it just seems too big of a thing and too fantastical of a thing to just sort of cram in as like a side thing. I just, I don't see them doing that. that that's not their, that's just not the way Marvel operates. You know, they're not going to, th- do something like that just to please fans of planet Hulk, you know? Right. And like you said, I don't think it would. So, but in terms of like a more cerebral, like talking Hulk, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, and I, you know, I do wonder 
with Hulk in space and going around with Thor, it seems like he would have to be Hulk a lot. It would be kind of right. hard for him to be Banner. Right. But from an acting standpoint, you know, that's easy to do in the comics. But from an actor standpoint, it's just like, you know, they they pop Tony Stark out of his Iron Man suit every chance they get. Just so Robert Downey Jr. can like walk around and act, right. you know. So, the, you know, the only way I could see them uh, sort of compensating for that is to have, you know, a more cerebral Hulk so that Mark Ruffalo actually gets to do some acting while still staying Hulk for most of the movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, where else do you go with that character if you're trying to give him an arc? That's sort of the merger between those two sides is really all you can do. And, and Banner's kind of accepted his Hulk side. So it seems like Hulk growing a little more intelligent and being a little more interesting as a character besides just smashing and like throwing out a little line here and there like a caveman. You know, that's it would be very interesting. So um and I know the director's hinted at that too. Um, yeah. And yep. I'm I'm excited about him. I mean, everything he says, he just seems like he just seems like he's really excited about it and he's going to inject a lot of humor and he just knows what he wants to do and and I really loved um what we do in the shadows, the vampire like mockumentary he did. Yeah, I still haven't did seen you see that. that. No, it's no. it's incredible. It's really funny. <laughs> and um, I mean, on one hand, it seems like a huge jump, but you know, I mean, the Russos had just directed like Community before they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Winter Soldier, so I can almost like it's it's almost less of a jump. So, um, yeah, I'm excited because I really loved all the humor in the first Thor movie and. And I mean, I Dark World is one of my least favorite MCU movies. Uh, I just felt like they lost a lot of the um, a lot of the joy of everything, and I just feel like a lot of the best Thor comics involve a lot of comedy and stuff. And so, I, and and the pairing between Thor and Hulk just inspires so much comedy. So I, I think someone who knows how to direct comedy, and and he's talked a lot as an indie director. He's talked a lot about just the way the camera works and about doing things that sort of like work in reality. Like he said something about how, you know, if a character jumps off a cliff, you don't have the camera follow them off the cliff. You have the camera like stop at the end of the cliff because that's as far as like a person could go. So, and it's sort of an interesting philosophy that I think he brings from the indie world that, that I think will help ground something that's obviously going to have tons and tons of, you know, visual effects and fantastical elements in it so uh, i'm i'm definitely excited to see um what he brings to the movie yeah yeah i agree the next thing i have is uh, rachel mcadams is confirmed that she's definitely playing a doctor in doctor strange so i know originally we everybody thought that maybe she was playing the actual night nurse because uh they couldn't use the the actual night nurse in doctor in daredevil and so rosario dawson had to play uh yeah claire temple so they kind of change that up a little bit, but it looks like she's going to play a a, do, a doctor, an actual like a, like I'm assuming it's like a colleague of of Doctor Strange, somebody he knew probably before the accident. Yeah, I mean there was there was a rumor at one point too that she would be the actual doctor, like the actual surgeon who operates on him after oh, yeah, he has his yeah. accident. So, I mean, if nothing else, I definitely think she's going to be, yeah, like you're saying, a contemporary, like a fellow surgeon um who who's sort of tied to like his old life and maybe knows him you know before the accident and after right 
So we'll sort of be like the tether to like the previous version of him. Uh, Josh Brolin. Uh, there's, oh, there's been a lot of interviews with Josh Brolin and apparently he's met with Marvel and kind of mapped out exactly like when they I'm assuming like when they think they're going to need him to uh, to come in and to when they're going to be filming his stuff uh, because, you know, he's actually doing the mocap work, not just the the voiceover. Uh, right. Yeah. And he was super complimentary of of Marvel, of Kevin Feige about what they're doing. And I mean, he called it like one of the better career decisions he's made. Yeah, I really I really liked that because, um, you know, I feel like a lot of times with the a lot of higher caliber actors, maybe they sort of like look down on on some of these films and you know he definitely says it's crazy having all these different cameras and things attached to him but then yeah it was great to hear him say that it was such a good decision so i'm i'm hoping what that means is that it's a really you know they've what they've talked to him about is a really rich character arc for him so yeah and i mean they're supposed to be filming that in june i think is when they start yeah, I think so. I think they're what they're filming for. I forget how there's like a, a block they're filming, and then they're taking like I think three months off, and then they come back and do mm-hmm. the rest of it or something like that. Or yeah, like something six weeks like that. off. Or there's there's a short break, and then they come back. But it's it's basically like seven months of filming. I think for both movies. I think. Or... Yeah, and then on, and a whole hell of a lot of um, post production. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's what's pretty interesting is even though we're a few years off from that, just because of the scope of it and that they're filming two at the same time, like they're going to get started on that really soon. Meaning, you know, I'm wondering if just like they announced um, Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, because he was going to be popping up in the civil war first. If, and I think we talked about this maybe a few episodes ago, but that maybe they will cast Captain Marvel, like by the end of the year, just, uh, to an just because the filming will get started and things will be leaking out and everyone's going to know anyway. So, you know, they're probably going to need her. I'm assuming maybe we'll meet her in the first part of infinity war before she goes off into her own movie. So, yeah, you know, I, if they haven't already cast her, it seems like they probably got to be pretty close to that. So, um, we might actually, you know, know who, is playing her before the end of the year and certainly probably before we know a director for her solo film. Yeah. Just like, uh, I mean, pretty similar to what they did with black Panther. I would think I have a theory. This is total. I just thought of this the other day, but her star is kind of on the rise in the comics. I don't know if you, if you follow too closely mm-hmm. the comic world, but I'm a little behind cause I use Marvel unlimited. So sure. I'm still like catching up, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, I follow everything that happens still kind of in the news. And, and yeah, she's she's definitely like one of the main people. And I've played a few of the mobile games, too. They've been putting her front and center in those and stuff. So, yeah. And yeah, they're definitely playing her up. The marketing stuff so far for Civil War 2 has her pretty prominent. You know, there's a new image that, mm-hmm. that came out that has Iron Man, Captain Marvel, War Machine and She-Hulk on the on the uh, on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For the zero issue, they're going to do, I guess, for free comic book day, it's going to be by Bendising uh, Olivier Coipel, which the art will be fantastic. You know, whether or not it's written well or not remains to be seen. But but Coipel is is a fantastic mm-hmm. uh, artist. Yeah. Um, I I had this crazy theory that maybe the tag scene we get for Civil War is 
like them calling in Colonel Danvers uh, to come in and basically take over the Avengers initiative that, you know, maybe, you know, they just, you know, somebody with military background, somebody, you know, not even, you know, not even put a lot of attention on it, but can, you know, Fury's on the outs and given everything that's that, you know, we think is going to go down between both sides that maybe they want like a third party to come in and somehow that, that brings her in that, like I said, total, uh, total speculation, but that would, yeah. I mean, why not? You know, she was almost in age of Ultron. So it's, it's not unlikely. And, and it, it, it would kind of make more sense to introduce her as a, I mean, interestingly, a, I want to say a civilian, even though she's in the military, but, you know, right. her non-superhero uh, guys. So then it's it's a little less to swallow. It's just like, you know, everybody can relate. Like, oh, here's a military person. Yeah, maybe even like Thunderbolt Ross somehow like respects yeah. her too. So she's yep. sort of like, like you're saying, yeah, in the middle, I, I could that definitely seems plausible. And I, I really hope they do play up her being a pilot and being in the military and stuff. So that, that would kind of be a good way to, to introduce it. Maybe she's, yeah, well, I was going to say maybe she's tied to shield, but that probably would actually be worse in terms of like being trusted in the public eye. Yeah. She's so always kind of she's been like a third party. Yeah. She's always kind of been, you know, like the air force Colonel first more mm-hmm. so than anything else. I mean, she's always yeah. been, you know, affiliated with shield on and off and things like that, but she's more so been military. Um, yeah. And I know, think which, that would, that yeah. would be better. They don't need everybody to be shield. Right. Right. And um, especially given the state of shield, you know, to exactly. be a way to differentiate her from, you know, agent 13 or from mockingbird or, you know, just For some, sure. you know, some of those other characters. So, right. I don't know. Just, just one of those wild speculation yeah, things I, I, I thought of. That, um, it definitely seems plausible and I would, I would be a fan of it for sure. Yeah. So, uh, that would be some pretty secretive, uh, casting. Yeah. Yeah. They had somehow managed to cast her and shoot that. But again, I mean, it's, it's not impossible. Right. Right. They just keep it quiet and then they just film it on a, a back lot or, you know, a stage or something instead of out in the open. And, you know, there's no paparazzi around to, to reveal it, you know? Yep. It's just, they film it in some closed room somewhere for one day, minimal crew. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely possible, especially if, if they did it during the reshoots they recently did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, then there's not much time for it to get leaked. So yeah, right. that'd be great. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I hope I'm going to follow your theory. All right. You heard it here first <laughs> folks. So if it comes yeah. through, I get credit for it. Um, so then the last, I got two things real quick on the TV front. Uh, apparently Mike Coulter has been doing the rounds uh, with Luke Cage, uh, you know, probably winding down at this point, getting ready to, to probably enter post Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying that Iron Fist has been cast. Now, I haven't heard a lot of like direct quotes from him. I haven't didn't really get the context, so I I don't know if if maybe it was something he said that was interpreted that way or yeah. I read the quote and it's sort of hard to tell because it seems like he could have been joking because he says we've got the we've cast Iron Fist and the actors just locked in a basement somewhere until we need him. So there was like a little bit of joke there, but it was hard to tell whether, you know, at the same time, there's not much of a joke in just saying, yeah, we've cast him. So I don't, it, it was sort of hard to, to tell whether he was joking or whether it was true, but I'm inclined to believe that, that it is true. 
Yeah, I mean, Loeb, cast somebody. Yeah, Loeb has said that Iron Fist is moving along. I've, I read an interview with him recently, and he pretty much said Iron Fist is moving along pretty pretty well, and that we'll hear more very soon. So mm-hmm. I think you know maybe once all the hubbub around Daredevil season two dies down, maybe we'll get um, definitely we'll get something then. But I think it's I think we're within weeks to be honest with you. I do too. I mean, we've got Daredevil coming up, and they're they're working on promoting Luke Cage somewhat too. So I think they just kind of it's just like we've been saying all along, like the reason we don't have iron fist nudes is because they've just got to, he's at the end of the list, you know, I mean, they're, they're working on so many other things, but they've got the showrunner. you know, I still think that it's going to come out by the end of the year, meaning they're going to have to start filming soon. There's been a couple of people on a couple of writers on Twitter who have said that they are writing for iron fist in their bios. So I would imagine writing's underway, so it, it, it's hard to imagine that there's also not a lead uh, actor. Yeah, with all that other stuff going on, so yeah, I think it's I think it's like you're saying. I think once um, once Daredevils come out, or maybe right before it comes out, or something like that, then they'll announce it. I mean, Marvel kind of always announces things officially a few weeks after it's been pretty heavily rumored. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll find that out pretty soon. Yep, yep. Uh, and the last bit of news that I have is uh, talking about Marvel's Most Wanted, which we still don't know a ton about, um, other than it's the the Bobby and Hunter show. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like Del- Delroy Lindo has been cast as Dominic Fortune. And uh, Dominic Fortune is a character that he's almost kind of like a... Uh, like, a, like an Indiana Jones kind of, you know, uh, you know, like a like a pulp serial kind of character, um, he's created by Howard Chaikin uh, back in the seventies, and he kind of, he's kind of one of those characters too that comes in and out of favor. Like, you know, they'll they'll use him here and then he'll go away for a long time, and then they'll bring him back for something and he'll go away again. Um, and and so he's you know definitely a character that's been around uh, in the in the comic world, not not in the in the physical world, but you know since like the twenties as this adventurer type. Uh, and so I'm curious to see what they do with him in most wanted, like how he fits in mm-hmm. uh, to the group, whether he's in charge of it or a part of it, or, you know, if, 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 you know, maybe he has some kind of supernatural aspects to him, like maybe he's, you know, lived for a very long time or, uh, or right. Cause, Cause we were talking about how in the comics he, you know, before we started recording, he, he sort of has something like that where he, he's been around for a long time. He doesn't age a lot. But then the actor they cast is a bit older, so you could kind of see it going either way. Like, either he's been around a long time and he doesn't age, or the way he's been around a long time is he's just older. And in that case, it would sort of seem like maybe he would be in the leadership position. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with him from a, mocking, a comic book that was called Mockingbird and Hawkeye that had the two of them, and I kind of think that they're... You know, they've kind of been doing this for a long time, but Hunter is basically just Hawkeye on S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, in terms of his relationship with Bobby. So I'm wondering if they'll follow that comic a little bit. And in that one, I think he's sort of like a a mercenary almost. So I'm wondering if maybe Hunter even knows him from, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. back in the day or something like that. Sure, sure. Like maybe he's not affiliated with S.H.I.E.L.D. So maybe they sort of operate even more outside of the realm of S.H.I.E.L.D. with him or something like that. So, I don't know. It, it's 
it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, that show seems to be creeping along, getting closer and closer. So I really, uh, really want to see what they do with it. Yeah, I mean, Loeb said it pretty much will premiere in the fall if it yeah, if it gets it picked like up past bet. pilot. So yeah. So and I, I mean, I feel like it will. It seems like anything Marvel does, like it seems like ABC will commit to at least a season of it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Shield has had rocky ratings before. Agent Carter's continually had rocky ratings and they keep you know renewing those so it seems like they'll kind of give it a shot yeah yeah so i guess we'll see in a few months probably yeah we i think we will well we'll wait for the the quote-unquote leak to pilot yeah um which which will probably happen just like it always does yeah <clears throat> all right so that's news um and and definitely for more news, uh, check out mcuexchange.com. Uh, you know, there's every pretty much everything we talked about uh, here on on this episode. Uh, there's there's a corresponding story over at MCU Exchange and then some. So mm-hmm. uh, so definitely check all that out. So so to the meat of the episode, to what we're here to talk about. Uh, so season two of Agent Carter's premiered uh, January nineteenth was its uh, two episode premiere. Um, and we've had, as of this recording, we've had four episodes total. So we've had Lady in the Lake, A View in the Dark, Better Angels, and uh, the episode that premiered as we record this two nights ago, Smoke and Mirrors, which for me I think has kind of been the standout episode of, if not the season, then the series itself. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and so we'll probably have qu- have quite a bit to say about that. Um, but I, I think – I. I I think season two so far for me is I think it's an improvement over season one. It feels feels less hokey, and I, I don't, I'm not to say that season one felt hokey, but it it feels like it kind of is comfortable in its footing now. Like it knows what it is, and it's kind of moving forward. I think the change of setting uh, was a positive. You know, things feel like they're uh, you know brighter and you know not as quite as dark and gloomy um, as season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so overall, I, th- I think the the change in venue and the change in in scenery is has been has been good for the show. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I mean, I think Shield a lot of times gets accused of being a little drab, like in its sort of color scheme and lighting and stuff. So, with Agent Carter, especially being in Hollywood, you've got so many opportunities for so much more like sort of bright colors and locales and stuff happening in the day, and then. I think it's really helped that it's not so tied to Captain America anymore. That was such a big thing in season one. Yeah, and, yeah. and of course you had to let, you know, people know like that's sort of the marketing hook, but you know, they've firmly left that behind for this season. You know, there's as far as I know, I don't think there's been a, a mention of them so far. So um, I, I definitely think that that gives it a sense of freedom. And then like you're saying, the I think the writers and everybody involved like feel a little more comfortable with this sort of, you know, period show that's also very pulpy and also very sort of, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty comic booky. you know. I mean, I think this season, even more than last season, um, there's a lot of sort of sci-fi sort of elements going on along with the sort of pulpy spy stuff. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's we're pushing more towards the 50s with this. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things I noticed right off is the show... I think it's six months has lapsed between... Yeah, they uh, say six months between seasons. Yeah, so we're firmly into 1947 at this point. Um, which, given that, we're pretty much... It, it kind of takes the one shot that we saw 
and, and pretty yeah. much puts it almost like as a as a out of canon or an imaginary story. Yeah, that was sort of like an unaired pilot sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, that's kind of the way I'm, I'm yeah. looking at it. Yeah, it seems um, it seems pretty impossible to somehow like reconcile those storylines. Yeah. Um, so in yeah, I just I can't even imagine unless they somehow led into that at the end of this season. Yeah, but with I some think, sort of thing, but I just I don't think it I don't think it lines up. I'll have to look back because I know I did I did when we first started talking about Agent Carter last year. I looked into it, and I'm pretty sure that it takes place firmly in 1946. Like it's definitely oh okay. You know, it's they they mentioned yeah, I can't been, remember the year, but yeah, yeah, and, X number of months after the war, and I think there was like a newspaper or something that had the date on it or something like that. But it's yeah. it's clearly 1946 and not even 1947. Right. So it just makes it like a proof of concept thing. Yeah. 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 Where it's just like it's it's a fun little thing and it's definitely worth watching, but it kind of like doesn't fit into the MCU, which I mean is okay because to be honest, that's kind of how I think of the Incredible Hulk. So. <laughs> Like, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's technically part of it. Um, but I just sort of, uh, you know, pretend that it didn't happen, but until Thunderbolt Ross shows up in civil war. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, even then you could kind of, I mean, you could treat him like a new character and, and he will be to a lot of people, you know, I think so. Um, but yeah, that's, um, it's, I guess, you know, every once in a while there's a crack and it's all connected, uh, um, nature that is the namesake of the show. Um, and yeah, things don't always line up in the MCU, but yeah, it's, I guess that's what happens when you sort of make it up as you go along. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not so slavish to continuity that I think they should sacrifice story for it. You know, no, not at all. I mean, and those one shots are sort of, you could almost argue that maybe those are just sort of out of continuity altogether. I mean, who knows if we'll ever see, Trevor Slattery again and <laughs> yeah. you know so it's and you know the, the the stuff that happened with like item 47 and the Colson ones I mean though they don't ever get referenced again you know and any characters we meet in them when we meet them again they're treated like brand new characters like yeah. uh you know Titus Welliver's character yep. in Agent like, 47 yeah. yeah so when we meet him in S.H.I.E.L.D you know, it's not like, hey, remember that time? You know, I mean, it's just like... I found this crazy item from these two kids that... Right, it's with. just like, nope, this is the first time you've ever met him. So, I mean, yeah, you could almost view all the one-shots as just... And it's something that happens in comics a lot, too. And usually sure. the one-shots in comics usually do sit outside of the the sort of continuity of whatever other story's going on. So, yeah, I mean, I... Again, I, I don't think they have to be a slave to that and... And I, you know, I've said before in the past, I, you know, some of the times I feel like, and this might happen eventually, but I kind of wish that the Marvel produced stuff maybe wasn't always so, um, hooked on the, like, it's all connected thing. So, yeah, yeah. And maybe would produce stuff, you know, they produce it, but you know, it's, it's just free to be its own story. Cause eventually they're going to have to do that. Like everything they produce can't be connected. You know, it's just. Yeah, it'll think, be impossible. I think that's where the the Netflix stuff comes in because I, it's it's so tangentially related that exactly you know it's it's and I think that's close enough. We know these things all exist in this world, and that's enough. You don't always mm-hmm. have to fully integrate everything. I don't I don't think that's necessary. Just, yeah, just knowing that you know these things are a part of each other is is in my for for the most part for me you know enough. 
Yeah, and I mean, you could say Agent Carter as a whole fits kind of into that mold. I mean, again, aside from, obviously, you know, the first season piggybacking off of stuff that happened in the first Captain America movie, I mean, and, you know, they say that um, the Dark Force that's featured in so prominently this season will be tied into Doctor Strange somehow. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's like so many of the things that happen on Agent Carter are just so disconnected from everything else that's happening in the MCU, mainly just because it's decades beforehand. So, yeah. Um, so it sort of stands on its own in a way other than the occasional like shield crossover. Yeah. It's, it's funny. One of the things that Loeb said recently in that same interview was agent Carter is the only TV show that has a direct line with the with the studios, with the Marvel studios, the, the feature film side, like they actually, you know, connect and work with, you know, and and coordinate. So then it's the opposite of what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, and that's just a behind the scenes thing. That's not even sure. a you know in well, practice thing. You know, it's yeah. It's, you know, and he said Shield is definitely its own thing. You know, we we don't really talk with the movie folks over it, and and that makes knowing that makes a little bit more sense just in how Shield was so disconnected in a way from mm-hmm. Age of mm-hmm. Ultron, uh, where it 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 would have been nice if it was maybe a little more connected in that in that respect. For sure. Uh, um, and then, you know, the same thing again with the Netflix stuff. So, uh, so that, that was kind of an interesting, you know, and it's because of Butters and Fazeka, you know, that they're so tied into Agent Carter and Luis de Esposito is so tied into Agent Carter and being that he's, right. you know, high up in the food chain on the, on the, exactly on the cinematic side. So, right. So and then was... she, of course, you know, even having the first season, they had, um, some of the directors from some of the movies and things. Yeah. De Esposito actually yeah. directed the pilot and and lewis lettier who directed yeah. item 47 which yeah. we were talking about he he directed one and joe johnston directed one who directed yeah. the first captain america so yeah and then i mean you know colson you know i've talked about this before too how it's frustrating that you know he was such a big player in the movies and then as soon as he went to tv it's like he doesn't exist anymore in the movies but agent carter is actually the only one who's made that leap yep you know, she's yep. the only one who, since getting her show, has actually appeared in a movie again. So twice, yeah. He, Ant Man yeah. and Age of Ultron, yeah. Was she in Age of Ultron? Yeah, the flashback. Seek. Remember when the when? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I completely Scarlet, forgot about that. Messing with well, there Steve's you go. Mind. That that reinforces it even more. Yeah. yeah. So pretty much, almost every time there's been a movie since her show, she's been in it. <laughs> so and of course she, you know, was still in Winter Soldier right before her show. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's um it's it's strange i don't know why why that's the case with that one versus shield and yet at the same time agent carter seems to be the one that suffers a lot more in the ratings yeah and you know it's funny the last episode got a point eight uh which yeah breaks my heart uh <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a better show than that um i i know i just and I, and the live nicole did a really good uh analysis of this over at mcuexchange.com and, yeah and she did I, I read up on that article before uh you know recording this and i think you know one of the things from last year was the plus sevens were very high for agent carter just like they are with shield mm-hmm. and this year the the plus sevens are still pretty good with shield but they're not so great with agent carter like it's only bumping like it's going from a 1.2 to a 1.3 um the overnights are like a 0. 0.8 or a 0. 0.9 um and it, it's just you know, funny that a, a character with a, a show with a strong, uh, 
a character with you know a strong female lead, mm-hmm. you know, in this kind of environment, it it just it, it's odd that it's not doing better. Yeah, and it's a very unique show too, right? Um, and you know, it's I'm I almost feel like stuff like Downton Abbey and Mad Men would almost work in its favor because it's you know there's not a lot of these sort of period shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if the period audience clashes with the comic book audience, and it just sort of like cancels out both audiences i I, it's i'm not really sure i don't know i think one of the big problems that um i fault you know abc and disney on is not putting the first season on netflix yeah yeah um that was a uh, i mean that was a really poor decision especially considering you know i I really don't get it because right now i don't think there's any none of the movies are on netflix so it's just shield and then the netflix original shows but you would sort of think with the deal they have with Netflix, you would almost want to put all the MCU stuff on Netflix. But yeah, the DVD, the even the DVD Blu-ray release was an Amazon exclusive, so it wasn't even yeah, you know, and like then, you you weren't going to Walmart and Best Buy and seeing it on the shelf mm-hmm. even. And I think that's the problem. I mean, it ran for eight episodes during January of last year, so anybody who missed that never really had an opportunity to go, "What's this?" So then it comes up for season two, and unlike most shows before their next season comes out, they drop it on Netflix and you can binge it and get excited about watching the new season. But all they did was I think two weeks beforehand, they put it on the ABC website, which even that is like, well, why'd that take so long? I mean, it's, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like it's clashing with like, you're saying the DVD sales. So why, why not just stick it out there so people can get excited about it and catch up. And I, I, I honestly think that's one of the biggest things that probably hurt them is people didn't have a chance to like catch up and yeah buzz to build. And unfortunately, I mean, not to be Debbie Downer, but with a, with a point eight and point nine overnights and it not really showing a a strong gain in the, in the plus threes, uh, you know, nobody really cares that much about the plus sevens because the advertisers don't really take that into account. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the networks like it because it kind of shows them, what the potential is for the audience and sure. and helps mm-hmm. them, you know, either shop it around in the secondary markets or whatnot. Um, but what, you know, one of the things even Nicole mentioned in her article was uh, that Netflix might be a decent home for this. Like if ABC decides not to renew it for a third season, which given the ratings, I'd be shocked, honestly, if, if uh, you know, unless they pull a miracle out in these last few weeks, I don't see ABC renewing it for a third um, yeah. es- especially if they want to try and do most wanted and, and look at doing some sitcom type stuff. I just don't see another show, um, you know, doing that. The only, the only exception could be is it's just one of those things. Well, it keeps Marvel in the time slot while they give a- agents of shield a nice break. Um, yeah. I think that's about the only reason, but you could also argue that they could slip in one of the other, you know, 10 shows that they have in development at ABC. And yeah. so, yeah. It's sort of like, I think that's its only hope of staying on ABC um, is that, you know, it might as well just stay there. Yeah. But to be honest, I think that's why they renewed it for season two in the first place, because it wasn't like it did great last year. Right. So I think it being a Marvel show and it's sort of taken that time slot. But I just don't know if that'll hold for another year. Um, but I, I do think the Netflix thing is a possibility, though, again, I don't totally understand the Marvel Netflix relationship, so who knows? But Netflix does seem to pick up just about every show that gets canceled. So, yeah, and it could be a you know a deal even you know like with kind of like what Netflix did with like Gotham, where they're they're like we'll give you two million dollars an episode, 
Mm-hmm. And so maybe ABC's like, you know what? If Netflix is going to give us a million bucks an episode, you know, to get exclusive rights to it, that's enough to put it over the top for us to keep it. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. So you know, basically like a subsidy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame because I, I really enjoy it. I mean, I, there's nothing else like it. And I absolutely love Haley. I mean, I love the whole cast. It's, I think it, out of all the comic book shows, I think it has the most flawless cast in terms of just the acting pedigree. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I think, um, I was talking, I have a friend that I talk to about all these things all the time. And, and, you know, he was just saying the, the thing with the show is it's, it's never bad, but it's also never amazing. It just is. And I think that's kind of the problem is unlike a lot of the other shows, there's never a ton of moments that grab you and make you like, Oh man, I can't, I got to see the next episode. Yeah. And considering it's sort of like a mini series, it almost should have that feel even more so. Yeah. Um, but you know, every episode I watch and I really enjoy, I enjoy the chemistry between everybody involved. I like the story, but then it definitely doesn't sit with me the way a lot of other sort of genre shows and comic book shows do. And, and, you know, even things like shield and, um, just episode to episode, you know, just really excited for the next one. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it, um, I wish it would maybe ratchet it up a little more. I wish it would actually get a little pulpier and a little more like sort of like whiz bang and just kind of dive into that sort of like sci-fi spy forties, fifties sort of feeling, you know, just like go for broke in terms of that. Whereas I feel like they keep holding back to kind of like tread middle ground a, a bit more. So I, I don't know. It's, it, it's got potential and, and I'll, yeah. I'll be bummed if it, doesn't get to live that out more especially this after this um episode the past episode yeah i agree um but we start off it's funny this season starts off we're still in new york uh they really make a point of you you know the, the show's kind of a transition from new york to la but it's also kind of a transition from a war mentality to a you know, post-war mentality. And, mm-hmm. you know, they make a big point of, okay, it's 1947. Um, you know, Peggy has, you know, it starts with, I thought it was kind of cool. It almost start, starts like a, almost like a serial or like a Bond movie or something where it kind of starts with the tail end of them finding Dottie and, and actually capturing her. Right, right. Yeah. And that that's, that's kind of where things, things start. And, uh, you know, again, I think Thompson is feeling threatened by her because, you know, she was the one that kind of took her down and is, you know, kind of the rising star and maybe, you know, going to take the credit for it. Um, and he, he kind of uses that as a as a as a way to get her out. You know, he you know, Susan needs somebody out west, you know, because of, of things that are going on out there. Uh, and so Thompson just decides to shuffle Peggy Peggy off to Los Angeles and kind of mm. get her out of her hair, uh, out of his hair. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the only problems I've had with the show is that, and I talk about this, I've been doing the breakdowns every week for Agent Carter, um, where it's like break down the biggest moments on MCU Exchange. Um, and one of the things I was saying is it's pretty contrived how they get all the characters, you know, out to L.A., but at the same yeah. time, I, I don't mind what they do just to get them out there. So I think the only little flaw is that, you know, it, it does sort of like have Thompson backslide into who he was last season. Um, and then of course, somehow every other character ends up in LA, but I, I don't really mind how they get out there. I think it was 
it's worth it that they're all together. And like we were saying, I think the change of scenery has really like done wonders for the show. Yeah, and I can't, you know, Thompson is one of those guys that really befuddles me because I can't tell if he's at this point kind of playing it and he's yeah. really, you know, going to gonna make a turn and show that, you know, he's not that guy or if he really is just that guy. And I'm, I'm tending to lean more towards the fact that he's just that guy and he's not going to make a turn to be a decent, you know, a really decent caring person. But yeah, I, I kind of worry that the, the writers don't totally know what to do with him. Yeah. Like now yeah. he's in the position of authority and they still feel like they want to have some of the misogynistic authority against Peggy. But at the same time, I feel like you could easily get that from uh, Vernon Masters. Um, so yeah, it, it, it seems like they're kind of struggling to know what to do with him. And especially because he's the one character who isn't in LA. So they've got to kind of come up for come up with a reason every time he needs to be out there or he needs to feature in an episode. So I, I wonder if they're just struggling to have him fit into the narrative and it's easier to just make him be the sort of like uh, authoritarian figure. Cause you know, until master shows up, there's really nobody else like that. Right. And, and maybe now he'll, you know, and I think he'll come around obviously now he knows that uh, masters is involved with the arena club, which I'd say my only other complaint about the season is how does everybody not know he's a bad guy? Cause yeah. he's not trying at yeah. all. <laughs> Especially at this last episode, it was like, oh seriously. That, yeah. The speech and the timing of him right when they're about to raid. And you know, they even say Peggy and Sousa even say, Oh, we should have known that judge was in the pocket of the arena club. Yeah. And it's like, you can't put two and two together. These guys show up right when you're about to rate it. You just said the judge was crooked. He gives you a weird, creepy speech. I mean, basically saying he's going to make everyone think you're a communist. It's like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm going to be very upset. I I said this in my breakdown. I'm going to be very upset that if in the season finale, he reveals he's evil and they're all like, Oh my God, we had no idea. I really want them to use their smarts and figure it out because you know, even Thompson couldn't figure out. He had to, it had to stare him right in the face before, you know, he had to literally be in the arena club looking at the, you know, fixed paper. Well, and you before... think they would, they would be su- suspicious of everyone knowing exactly. how, you know, exactly. this corruption is spreading. It's like, okay, wouldn't everybody that's acting a little off yeah. be suspected? Um... Yeah, especially this guy who just shows about a no. I mean, yeah, it just couldn't be more suspicious. And it makes me a little upset that they they didn't seem to air those suspicions. Like, so it's like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. And, and again, his performance is, is just, uh, couldn't be more villainous. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really hope that like next episode or something, they go, you know what? I don't think there's something up with this guy. Let's, let's investigate. <laughs> yeah. But even he's kind of like the agent of, of change for the show too. You know, he, he's not a part of the SSR. He's, right. You know, FBI, He's FBI, right? No, he's they don't no, make CIA. It, they, yeah, they said he's with the War Department. When he said the War Department is going to be being disbanded, we're looking to put together a new oh, agency. Right. So I assume that's CIA because that's true. Because he does come in as FBI when he takes Dottie. Yeah, in the in the uh, second episode. I yeah. Think. So I guess for now he's FBI, but yeah, he seems to just sort of be high up somewhere in the government. Yeah. And, you know, again, they kind of make the point like the SSR is a is a and they kind of did this a little bit in the in season one, but not as much 
Um, mm-hmm. But again, in season two, it's like, look, the SSR is kind of becoming unnecessary. You know, it right. was it was a product of World War Two, and you know, there's going to be no more War Department. You know, and and everything's kind of getting swallowed up. So right, right. Uh, you know, so that's kind of thing. But uh, so, you know, of course, with Dottie being in L.A., that's kind of used as the plot device to get Jarvis in L.A. Um, and they are going full Howard Hughes with Howard Stark. Yeah. Uh, there's no which is, question. Which that, is perfect for him. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. I mean, now he's into movies. Uh, yeah. You know, which, again, Howard Hughes, you know, same thing. Uh, yeah, just like the, the, the reverse. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, just wondering if, if by season three, like, he doesn't become, uh, like, in, you know, get, get involved in uh, – uh, you know, airplanes, you know, and, and start, start a, you know, it's gotta be, there's gotta at least be a, a reference to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was in the, wasn't he in the, in the series finale? Was he, didn't he fly a plane? Yeah. 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 Uh, the season finale last yeah. season. Yeah. So, I mean, there but you Hughes go. did that whole thing with Hughes aircraft. Well, I guess well, Hughes right, aircraft right. was, oh, you mean was like earlier. getting into like creating aircraft. Yeah. yeah that's Bruce yeah. Goose and all that kind of sure, nonsense. Sure. Sure. I mean, why? Yeah. And I mean, who knows? Maybe if they kept going, we'll see him, you know, turn crazy and yeah you know become a recluse and I, yeah i could <laughs> i could definitely it, he's, he's got the temperament so yeah but it's i mean it's the howard stark this this season is a little cartoony but not so much that it makes me roll my eyes he's so i, I explain it this way like howard and you know a lot of times they say well how could howard have you know found the particle that they use you know that the, the the new element that that tony ends up actually creating to stabilize his uh you know his uh you know his suit and his, his heart yeah, yeah the arc reactor yeah. and the whole bit and you know how come you know we don't have flying cars and he created all this other stuff and what this if nothing else what this season has done is shown that howard is like complete add um exactly he's his he, own worst enemy I he's think. tony without the focus like exactly it seems like tony has the focus like tony will will find a problem and he will just stick with it and figure it out howard is like well i'll work on this until i kind of get bored with it and then i'll just move on to something else and exactly you know like the next bright shiny thing that comes i'm just gonna gonna shift gears and that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna go to and it it just makes them i i appreciate that as a about him as a character and it also kind of explains why you know things haven't moved maybe as fast yeah and i think that's a really sort of uh good observation i don't think i had thought too much about that but it it's sort of like a good subtle you know i give the writers credit for that then because that's a pretty subtle way of like you're saying like yeah why if tony stark in a cave can create the iron man suit why didn't his father you know make some more crazy stuff you know um and that's a pretty good explanation. He's, his mind is constantly flitting to some other thing. He's running around. He's sabotaging himself. And, you know, he doesn't really have a – he's got Jarvis, but she doesn't op, he doesn't operate in the same way like Pepper does in terms of, like, right. keeping uh, Tony focused and stuff. And so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think uh, you're onto something there. That's, that's, a, that's a really good point. And, yeah, it definitely adds some more layers to his character and, and, and helps separate him from – from Tony. Right, right. 
And it's kind of cool because, you know, he's, like I said, he's into the photography. So that kind of gives him an idea. You know, he didn't do it just to make movies. Like, he was interested in the tech of film and exactly. how that can help him do things that he wants to do with his scientific work. And I just mm-hmm. thought that was kind of cool. Like, he's he's doing all these different things but trying to pull them all together and and use these different experiences to, to kind of make him more well-rounded to figure all this stuff out. And so... You know, when Dr. Wilkes, you know, when he gets exposed to the to the dark matter after the explosion and, um, you know, he we you know, we find out that Peggy doesn't have crazy um, magnetic properties. It was just Wilkes that was shadowing her this whole time. Right. Um, You know, he kind of uses his his crazy scientific brain plus what he's been doing with, you know, motion pictures to to find a way to make um, to make Dr. Wilkes at least be able to be seen and heard. Visible. Yeah even if he physically doesn't have a body. Yeah, and it was great seeing the two of them work in the lab together as, like, uh, proto-science bros. Yeah, yeah. It was very similar to how Tony and uh, Bruce operate. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that was... Yeah, I think that was a really great way to bring Howard back into the fold and also actually let him be a scientist, which is something we don't get to see a lot. So... And we find it, Wilkes has kind of been an interesting guy. I mean, he, they kind of yeah. alluded to it in the previews that he's kind of the love interest for for Peggy this season. And mm-hmm. again, you know, she starts to connect with someone and through tragic circumstances can't be with that person. So, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I definitely hope that's not um, they don't keep doing that <laughs> to her. But, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because the other sort of ticking clock, I guess we have is we know because of winter soldier that she does eventually marry somebody right? who I think she says cap saved in the war. I think they said he was a commando. Right. So we know that's not Wilkes. Right. So one way or another there, I mean, even aside from, you know, the fact that he's a ghost, right. Um, which I would assume they'll probably solve by the end of the season. But I still, would think I mean, so, yeah. it, it says something's going to happen, which, I mean, again, it's sort of the tragedy of the show potentially not continuing is this is a character that we, they could tell infinite stories with, you know, yeah. and, and the flashbacks in this episode, I think were evidence of that and left me wanting a lot more. I mean, there's, there's still so much of her life before we first met her that I think would be a really interesting story. And, um, you know, I don't know, maybe even a more interesting story would be her first training as like a spy in the early days of world war two and things like that. So it's the type of thing that I would love to see more flashbacks of. And that's not even to say the next few decades of her life. I mean, before we, the next time we see her is in the eighties and Ant-Man working with shield. I mean, that's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. You know, that could be very, very interesting seeing her build up the SSR into S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. So it it would be a shame if it can't continue in some format because I, yeah. I would love to see that story. And I just I love Haley Atwell's performance as Peggy Carter. And, it, you know, they've given her a lot more to work with this season and a lot more people to play off of, a lot more female characters to play off of. Um, Jarvis's wife, Anna, we finally meet. Yeah, and she's kind of a hoot because... yeah. <laughs> She's not it's it's kind of refreshing that she's not the jealous type, exactly. you know, because you know, there's a couple, you know, when when 
Jarvis is kind of doing his wrestling moves, and then you know the the they kind of you know Peggy and him kind of go at each other, and Anna walks in and she's kind of on top of him in like this compromising position, and Anna's just like, oh yeah, you know, just you know, like that's a normal like she understands, like she's she yeah, knows. I that think she says he does his best work on his back. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> which is exactly that's great. I mean, a lesser show would have spun that into some ridiculous you know plot line but it's it's just not there i mean peggy and jarvis are friends and anna is perfectly confident in her you know relationship and yeah they don't they don't have to like descend into that sort of like petty territory that a lot of shows do it's just two female characters that respect each other and a male and female character who have a mutual respect and friendship and working relationship you know and it's it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything more than that which i think is great yeah, so. I you know one of the other big things we find too so far is that this whole dark matter thing has become a deal, and this Isodyne uh, Industries is kind of at the forefront of it, and mm-hmm. they tie everything you know back into the Manhattan Project and the atomic bomb, and basically like this was an offshoot of that, and you know they even pull out the old footage yeah. you know, that shows like the first test where they were able to kind of gather this material and and how unstable it is and. Yeah, basically sucks everything into like a black hole. Yeah, that then turns into like a pile of uh, goo. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, cool. In the comics, the whole dark matter thing is is done in a variety of ways. Like different um, characters that have this ability, it manifests differently. I mean, Cloak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Cloak has Cloak it. Is the where, one I was thinking of. Yeah, you know, where he basically can suck people in and and basically use it as almost like a teleportation device. Um, right, which I wonder if we're not going to see it being a similar sort of thing in this show. Yeah, and then it, there's there's another, you know, there's other characters. I think it's Dark Star is one of the characters. There's there's another character. Dark that, Hawk, I think, is a character. Maybe there's a female that has that wields okay. the power. Um, kind of a lesser tier character. Um, where it's almost like a, a Green Lantern kind of situation, if I'm not mistaken. Where it's like a physical, oh, okay. like she can actually use it. Um, physically i think shroud is another character like a villain kind of very similar to yeah uh, well and there's blackout from um shield yes yes who i mean that's sort of our one of our big connections between the two is that you know they talk about dark force on that show and the producers have said that zero matter which is what they call it on agent carter is the same thing as dark force which is what it is in the comics and what it was on uh shield you know they don't go into what blackout can do but obviously when you see the effects for his powers they look very similar to what whitney frost can do even though they operate in a different way right um but you know i'm wondering with you know things seem to get like sucked into it but obviously wilkes is still around so i i'm wondering if it is similar to like what cloak can do and that it's sort of just like a gateway to another like plane of existence Mm -hmm. or reality or something and that's how it will factor into Doctor Strange as well. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wondering if all the things that Whitney's absorbing are, you know, all the people and animals and things are actually going somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, we're, we're still uh, in the dark. Yeah. The other big thing, too, obviously, with the season is this whole uh, Council of Nine. We see Ray Wise is back uh, mm-hmm. in, on the show. Yeah, from Rocks On. Mm-hmm. Um, um. Yeah, and they're part of the Arena Club, right? And the whole the whole 
Council of Nine, this whole secret empire thing is is definitely a old Lee Kirby comic concept as well. You know, it kind of goes back to you know tie in with Shield and and you know the early days of of Shield in the comics and everything else. That this there's yeah. almost kind of like a Hydra type organization where it's these you know again Council of Nine people that are basically trying to take over the world through. Um, you know, these kind of means, you know, captains of industry, that, you know, that kind of thing. And, and yeah, crazy it's like a very new world order sort of yeah, yeah. sort of thing. But um, I, I mean, and we got I, I mean, I think they they are pretty much an offshoot of Hydra because that their symbol, um, you know, I saw some I wasn't sure at first. My wife, she, you know, when she saw it, she's like, is that one of the Hydra yeah, symbols? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not sure. I, I didn't really see it. But when I looked back at photos of it, it. It's one of those photos that um, Fitz and Simmons lay down on the table yep. in S.H.I.E.L.D. So and, that's... And Peggy that's, even uh, says, I've seen that symbol before. She does, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we've got... I mean, that's this is uh, one of our offshoots of HYDRA now that they've sort of uh, gone to ground uh, after the war. So, I, I, you know, I imagine that that's going to continue to be a big, big thing throughout the rest of the season. There's a bit in the third episode where uh, the security system in in the house goes off and it's Jarvis's voice and he's like, oh, that yeah. would be terrible to live through eternity as a disembodied voice. Yeah, that was great. Uh, which was and, an awesome line. Yeah, and then later there's a, a stained glass window with the arc reactor design. Yes, yes. That was another – that that episode was full of Easter eggs because there was also the Kid Cult comic that – Howard's filming. Yes. It's like an old Marvel comic. Yeah. And it, uh, I think Peggy even takes a line. It's like, you know, who would want to go see movie based on comic book characters or something like that? Or Yeah. Which is great. And there's also a line earlier where she says she wants to play the cowboy and Howard says, I don't know if audiences are ready for that. Yeah. So that's right. even more of a jab. At, yes. You know, having female characters lead comic book movies <laughs> and, you know, action movies in general. So, yeah. And yet Which here is, she is uh, leading a show based upon based upon a comic book. Exactly. So. <laughs> that was a very that episode got pretty meta. So yeah, and the whole Velveeta thing with the cheese. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was just really. Yeah, that was a great one, and I mean, I you know I loved Peggy. Almost had the best line of the night when she basically uses the martini and treats Howard like a dog, like calling yes. him like a little puppy. But I think Howard won when he described the arena club as male and pale. Yes, I thought that was the best possible way to describe yes. them, and I am that is a phrase that is going to enter, enter my lexicon for yes. sure. And just the whole bit, you know, him going into the club and bringing the women in, and just like just being completely Howard and over the top, and yeah, uh, everything. That this is where I had the date. The third episode is July sixteenth of nineteen forty-seven. So we're okay. We're we're well into yeah. We're right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, that that's that's pretty funny. Um, I'm trying to think. But yeah, a lot of a lot of Howard in 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 this episode, and a lot of Howard and Jarvis. I mean, his his production assistants that he's hired on the movie are just a bunch of uh, of females in bathing suits that get to hang out with him by the pool. <laughs> he's yeah, shooting. It's just, you know just very Howard. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's he's definitely a character that yeah like the lovable rascal but yeah, it's exactly. also nice to see peggy put him in his place yeah yeah um 
But it's funny we haven't seen Anna. Like Anna kind of disappeared. We didn't. I don't think yeah. we saw her in episode three. We definitely didn't they, see her in Smoke and Mirrors. Which... No, they've said the produ- they behind the scenes they've said that you know she will be back. It won't be sure. like a. She definitely plays a significant role. But yeah, I, the, you know, I it's it's good. I'm glad that they have so many new uh, characters. But um, yeah, I, I think there's they just kind of have a lot to juggle right now. I guess and you know and. Howard was in that episode, and then, um, though I think it would have been really great to see Howard and Anna play off of each other. Yeah. And I think that could have been, so I'm hoping we we get that opportunity before the end of the season. Because, I mean, obviously they would have a history as well, so. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure it's, I, I'm sure her attitude towards Howard is not the same as her attitude towards Becky. Exactly, and uh, so I'd really love to, again, just see another strong female character put Howard in his place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just think that's a, that could be a great comedic pairing as the two of them. Yeah. And then of course this past episode, we, it almost all dealt with those flashbacks. So yeah, that was, that was an, this was an interesting take. So smoke and mirrors was the episode that, that aired this week. Uh, and it's really a parallel story of the young Peggy Carter and the young Whitney Frost. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, Madam Mask. And it was really interesting to see how, you know, Peggy, you know, they show her even from a young age kind of being the tomboy and, you know, wanting to save the day. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. then when she gets older, she, um, you know, she almost becomes like the typical, um, yeah, I'm going to, you know, just, just like going to fill the typical housewife role, like the very fifties, Ozzie and Harriet kind of lifestyle is what she's, you know, she's ready for. Um, and apparently she works in the code breaking section, uh, yeah. in 1940. So, so she's know, still involved. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, very much behind the scenes and yeah, I was sort of hoping cause they mentioned in the last episode when they revealed who Whitney Frost was, that she was involved in the technology that the allies used to break codes. And I was hoping they would make that maybe a little more explicit that I wonder if the technology that. Peggy was using to code break was created by Whitney Frost. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's a, that's just something I'm sort of wondering myself because sure. they well, sort of like left that open, but I feel like that would have been an interesting parallel as well that, you know, Whitney was helping, but she never got to be the hero. Like nobody, she doesn't get any of the glory. Yeah. Although at that point in 1940, the U S wasn't involved in the war. Britain obviously was, was in the middle of it. So I don't, you know, how much of that. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, that kind of parallel. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't really clear on what they were, like, what technology, like, if her technology was used by the British or what. Right. They just sort of said that she came up with some sort of uh, radar technology, I think, that was used for code break, something like that. Yeah, which is, is funny because the Whitney Frost character, they're totally, you know, we talk about Howard being uh, kind of a parallel for... Uh, Howard Hughes. For Howard Hughes. Yeah. I see... Uh, I see uh, Whitney. I see Whitney being kind of a parallel to Hedy Lamar. Definitely. Uh, you know, where she was, you know, kind of this, um, you know, very like pinup, almost like pinup type actress, you know, very popular, uh, very beautiful um, actress, but also was incredibly intelligent. I mean, in, in, in real life, she was responsible for developing technology that with, uh, that had, that dealt with radar and, and how, mm-hmm. um, uh, you could detect submarines, I think it was submarines or torpedoes or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
and and so the 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 Whitney Frost side of this story is kind of her growing up in you know kind of a very rural setting. Her mother uh, was basically a prostitute, and um, you know kind of blamed you know Whitney for everything bad that happened. But you could tell from a very early age that she was a genius, um, and you know whereas she really wanted to focus on her brain and you know use that to kind of break in and get things done. Her mother took the complete opposite route and just basically said, look, if you're a woman, the only way you're going to get forward is to use your looks and to use your body and, you know, and, and basically do things that way. And Whitney saw how that didn't work out. So when she left, right. she left home, you know, her mother even ridiculed her. It's like, oh, you're not going to get into this fancy school, uh, you know, because you're smart. You're a, you're a, you're a girl. You're not going to get in. Yeah. Um, and so it, she kind of, almost like becomes a person of two worlds. Like she, she almost said, you know, becomes a person that says, I'm going to use one to get me the other. Um, yeah. And so we see by the end of the episode where she, you know, she arrives out in Hollywood and, um, you know, she, she kind of has approached somebody to be in pictures and it's almost like, okay, here's my hook. This is my way uh, of getting right. in. And then kind of the rest is history kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I would say that, again, why I wish we could get more flashbacks is I still think I'd love to know, you know, there's still a lot to her. I mean, that's oh, sure. that's still a huge jump to how did she build this company? How did she get involved with um, Chadwick? Um, and also, how did she sort of turn evil? Because, you know, it... it there's not really, I mean, I guess you could maybe infer that the path she had to take and the things that happened to her and it kind of maybe spiraled out of control and all that. But, you know, I, I definitely still love to see how her sort of like uh, worldview and moral compass like shifted to the point where, you know, she is willing to have people killed who are interfering with her scientific work and that she's sucking people into her body and all these things, you know. Yeah. So that still seems like a huge jump. Uh, from you know this the girl we meet you know yeah. coming to hollywood so yeah it's it, it's interesting and it's it's i like how they they parallel the two and it's it's interesting how even though peggy sort of has the really supportive brother and whitney or agnes you know has the mother who's not supportive at all like whitney's the one who hangs on to her dreams the most or yeah you know peggy ends up sort of giving in which i i guess we can assume that everybody but her brother was not supportive so right you know she eventually just sort of caves but you know whitney seems like no matter what she's she still is following that dream you know like nobody else is is pushing her to pursue it or or supporting her so that was a it was an interesting contrast yeah and then you know kind of tying it all together is you know hunt who ends up being the guy that's attacked peggy a couple times they finally get the jump on him and he gives everything up and that's when he talks about the council of nine and you know how they're they're responsible for everything you know assassination of president mckinley um you know the black tuesday the stock market collapse and mm -hmm. you know all these other crazy things that have happened it's the council of nine that's kind of been responsible and they're able to kind of use that to springboard and, and be able to get a subpoena to go in and get all these records and finally put an end to it. Um, and that's when, uh, uh, yeah, that's when Vernon. Red Foreman comes in and, yeah. <laughs> and spoils the day. I know I can't, 
I can't see him as anything but that. Yeah, I know. I, I still I still say even when I tweet out live tweet on the show for when the show's on, I still say Red Foreman. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's when he walks in and you know somehow nobody puts two and two together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, that's uh, it, it was interesting, and I I was wondering this actually in my the breakdown I did, but did we know Peggy had a brother before this? Uh, I don't. I, I can't recall that ever being brought I, up. I don't think so. I, you know, one of the things watching this episode specifically has wanted, made me want to do is go back and watch Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, cause yeah. it just really put me back kind of in that time. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. I, I yeah. still, I love that movie a lot. And I mean, it's, it's a lot of what I love about this show. I just love the sort of pulpy period feeling of yeah. it. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I could watch, you know, I I wish I wasn't in the minority, but I could watch any number of movies and TV shows that detailed almost any period in Peggy Carter's life. So, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, there's there's so much um, there's just so much story to her, especially you know, given who she is and given what she had to do to get where she is. It's so much more interesting than if she was just a a male character who was also like a spy, absolutely. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you make this, the show about some guy that, you know, that, you know, you know, change the gender on it and it's way less compelling in, in oh, my opinion. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, the, the villain, the villain role as well. I mean, Whitney Frost absolutely. would even be yeah. who she was if she was a male character. Yeah. And Dottie last season. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's great. And it's, it's, it's sort of a shame that that isn't, more compelling to more people. And I, I don't know if that, I'm not saying that's the reason it's not at all, but you know, and it's, it's, and it's not preachy either. It's not like, no, Hey, yeah, look, never. I'm this feminist character and I'm going to do all these things. It's just like, Hey, I'm this person and I'm the best qualified and here's what I'm going to do. Exactly. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's her story. Natural. Yeah. It's just, it's just her story is just her story. It just happens yeah. to be more interesting and have more subtext and stuff yeah yeah because she's a woman and in this period of time right. and in this line of work so yeah i mean you know the fact that she got that job offer you know they're basically like well we're you know we want women because they won't be people won't think they're spies as much so it's like okay well you know it's still not a still not great but you know there's still a long way for her to go from that to like the ssr and being this top agent and so, yeah, I mean, I, I could easily watch, you know, a show that was her, you know, back then, like in the early days of World War Two, you know, that was almost more the flavor of Captain America, but following her instead. Yeah. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe another one shot, maybe a Netflix thing. Maybe, yeah, who knows? Or maybe just some more flashbacks. I mean, yeah, if, if it keeps going, I, I definitely think they'll. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that a show like Arrow has done a lot is, you know, spinning specific episodes, like delving into the characters' backstories. So I I definitely see uh, if Agent Carter keeps going, I definitely see them doing, you know, probably like an episode each season that that dives into like the backstory of uh, Peggy and some of the other characters. So true. Um, Well, that's I mean, that's really all I had notes wise for for these episodes. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to, to talk no, about. No, no. I mean, uh, I think, you know, we had to cover a lot. And I, I definitely think some of the more thematic things and story elements are, they're continuing. So I think we can easily pick them up in the next couple episodes. I mean, this is, you know, really is just one overarching story. So yeah, 
For I sure. think anything we missed will will definitely get brought up again in the next episode or two. So absolutely, and we will be back. Matthew and I have have picked a day. We know when we're going to record, so we will be able to to like I, like I mentioned earlier, stay hopefully more on track unless. Um, illness or some crazy circumstances kicks in, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> but I think things are kind of leveling off, uh, in general. So thanks everybody for sticking with us. Uh, thanks uh, for tolerating the breaks. Uh, Matthew, thanks for, for hopping on uh, again. Yeah. Thanks for having me as always. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, so again, uh, thanks everybody. We've, we did get some Facebook comments. Um, I've been doing a lot of live tweeting, um, so definitely uh, check that out. I, I, I live tweet the show every Tuesday uh, when it comes on. Um, and usually I'll kind of interact with people that I see, you know, out there either tweeting at us or just tweeting, you know, with the hashtags and stuff. Uh, so definitely check that out. Um, and so next episode, I think we will have a little breathing room. I'm going to go back through the archives and kind of pick out some good tweets uh, and some, some conversations I've had back and forth, which will be some good discussion points. Um, I'll look through the Facebooks and pull out some comments there. Um, and we'll get caught up on a bunch of that stuff. So, uh, again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, and this has been, it's all connected.